Hello, I'm Connor Sweetman and welcome to InsureTech Radio, the podcast that teaches you about how technology is transforming insurance and about the people making it happen. If you're a regular listener of the podcast, please follow the show on LinkedIn. Just search for InsureTech Radio Podcast on LinkedIn and then hit follow. This week, I'm delighted to welcome my guest, Ogi Sheehy. Ogi is the founder and CEO of RegTech firm Viclarity. Viclarity is a very impressive business based out of Kerry in Ireland. They help many, many global insurers to automate regulatory compliance, vendor management, solvency two policy management, and many, many other areas. I really enjoyed this conversation. As you'll hear from the get-go, Ogi is an extremely engaging storyteller. He talks about how he transitioned from his corporate life at IBM and decided to set up his own business in the middle of a recession. So I'm not going to give too much more away. I'm just going to hand you straight over to Ogi. Yeah, so my name is Ogi Sheehy, and I'm the founder and the CEO of Vitality. I just want to make sure. I am saying your name right, Ogi, isn't it? That's right, yeah. Uh, do your colleagues get confused by that? <laughs> it's amazing, Connor, the amount. They, they don't, because we're working together for long enough now. I get Oggies, and I get Ogies, and all sorts of weird and wonderful things, you know. And your email address is John, though, isn't it? It is, and it's a funny story, Connor, because when I graduated from the IT here in Chile and, and moved away, my first job was with NEC Semiconductors, Japanese company, and just Ogi wasn't going to shake it in a Japanese company. <laughs> um, I was about four days in, and I was like, "Okay, guys, you know what? I'm John. Just call me John, please." And <laughs> and actually, all of my Dublin working career, I was John. So I went through Hewlett Packard as John. I went through IBM as John, and then I moved home and set up the company. And I said, "Guys." I need my name back. I need my name uh, back. So I, <laughs> I took it back. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, Ogie, you're very welcome to InsureTech Radio. <laughs> Thanks, Connor. Maybe can you give me an idea of your background then? I suppose we got a whistle stop tour via your name. What's your background? I, I actually went to university in Chile and I studied physics. Graduated from the IT and took a job with NEC Semiconductors. I spent a number of years there and excellent job. And then I, I moved from there to Hewlett-Packard. When I joined HB, I was, I think, the fifth or sixth employee for the inkjet and manufacturing facility in Dublin. And I suppose at that stage, I had my first introduction to people management. So where I was very technical throughout my career up to that point, I had a flair for managing people and, and enjoyed it. So I got into managing people and, and became a production supervisor there for a while. I still had the itch for a technical role. So at the time, IBM were looking for people to, to do technical management roles, and I got a job there, which was a fantastic step in my career, I suppose, because it's what kind of led me then into software. And then in 2008, you know, middle of the recession, I felt there was an opportunity to develop a product which was out of the box and, and configurable, but gave people a tool that they could configure themselves easily in a couple of weeks of an implementation and solve some of the problems specifically around compliance and, and risk management. And that's when Vitality was set up. What was the germ of that idea? Where did that first start? When I worked in IBM and in Dell in particular, you know, uh, the I suppose the whole concept of risk management, the whole concept of, you know, complying with certain aspects, they were always on the agenda, but they were always the last discussion on the staff meeting. There was always the, the last five minutes of the staff meeting was around that. So it was never given a lot of attention. And I always remember being in IBM when Surveyance Oxley became a global thing. You know, we were scrambling and thought, you know, we need to respond to this. And 
And, you know, we solved it using Excel spreadsheets. So I, I had experience where I saw a lot of even the larger corporations were heavily dependent upon Excel, which is a phenomenal tool in itself. But just in terms of critical business processes, you know, there's a lot of, of risk, excuse the pun on the risk, but there's a, a lot of areas where, you know, that may, may not be sufficient. I suppose both those ideas together, you know, the heavy dependency on Excel coupled with the fact that, you know, risk management and just knowing the profile of risk in a business needs to be more at the forefront of people's thinking. And that's where the kind of idea came from. What was the, I suppose, the steps from you from this kind of initial idea to actually saying, okay, no, I'm going to set this up and I'm going to set it up in Kerry. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because for me, when I moved down home to what I call home to Kerry, I worked in Dell for probably two and a half or three years but during that time, I was approached and asked to get involved in a program called the, the Young Entrepreneur Program, which was a program designed to, I guess, teach and mentor entrepreneurship. And there is a phenomenal cohort of incredibly successful entrepreneurs here in Kerry, many of who reside in the greater Tralee area. And I suppose I plugged myself into that network and um, contributing on the entrepreneur program um, in schools. But I just really was in awe of what these people had, had developed and, and mm. how successfully they could run a company, international company, out of Kerry. Albeit I had a, you know, a, a strong corporate background, I just thought this was amazing. You know, how wonderful would it be to be able to set up a company in your home and you know, recruit and hire people and you know, drive the economy in, in Kerry? And I suppose being a passionate Kerry man, you know, it was like something I always aspired to wanting to do. Throughout that program, that seed was planted, that bug was kind of in me, and I thought, wow, wouldn't that be great? And I always remember having a conversation with, with an entrepreneur in particular, and he said, you can absolutely do this. And I never really thought that I could, Connor, to be honest, because when you come from a lot of people you know, who are entrepreneurs will say that their family were, or you know, they inherited a family business, or they were... I, I never came from that background, but I suppose looking back on it, I always... You know, on the side, I worked hard as, as a young fella, and that kind of is, is what led me to to go down that path. And and I remember having a conversation, thinking while I was in Dell, saying I'd love to give this a go. And then I just got thinking about it and came up with ideas and leveraged back on my own experience and looked for what I thought was an opportunity. And and as any entrepreneur does, you come out with an idea that's never the end goal, it's never the end um, product. But I made a pretty big decision then to, to leave um, my corporate career behind in late 2008 and, and set up the company. And I was very fortunate that I got onto a startup program, which at the time was called the Enterprise Platform Program. It's, it's now called New Frontiers. And it was based in Tralee Town. I guess I, I went from almost being a mentor uh, to, to entrepreneurs to being an entrepreneur myself, needing mentorship. <laughs> so, so it was an interesting dynamic and it, it was a, a, a phenomenal mental change because going from having a team of people working with you and working for you, going from having an income into not having an income and just being on your own, it can be a lonely place. But going on a program like that with others and peers and mentors and, and just again, uh, you know, I don't mean to push carry too hard but the network of people around me at the time giving support and encouragement and you were never a phone call away from getting an answer to an important question and it still stands today to this very day you know so that was a huge benefit to me 
Oh yeah, no, and I think we should definitely plug Kerry as a as a place to do business. Uh, what are some of the benefits? Do you think of you know having set up the business and run it now for a good few years? What are some of the things that you can do that you couldn't have done if you set up somewhere else? Well, uh, you know, I think being down here, I mean, I'm an, I'm an hour away from Shannon Airport, so I can get on an, a direct international flight to the US, um, which is a phenomenal benefit. But I suppose outside of that, you know, having worked in Dublin and the hustle bustle of Dublin City and, you know, I love Dublin. And certainly when we were not in COVID times, we would be in Dublin two, maybe three times a week, every week. But I always say that since I set the business up here, the best thing about going away is coming home. So it's that it's that tranquility of you get up in the morning. I'm five minutes away from from Litter, Litter Beach down the road here where I can go for a run. Nobody on the on the beach. In the summer, in the evenings, you can finish at six o'clock and be in the water having a swim, you know, within 10 minutes. And they're all things that I guess you take for granted. And when you when you grow up in the area and you move away from it, it's it's then when you go away that you realize, wow, you know, that these are these are real opportunities. And and I think the way things are going now, Connor, <clears throat> and I think it's more it's more, I guess, pronounced even now with, with COVID is that the reality is people can work remotely. People can deliver as much effort and, and activity in any role, for the most part, I guess, from a remote location. And if you can do that in a place where you have beach, you have you know a work-life balance, you can go for a walk on the mountains, you can, you know, that's a huge plus. And I think what we're starting to see now is that a lot of people are thinking, you know what, I actually would love to have the opportunity to move out of Dublin or to move back from overseas and take a role in Kerry. Absolutely. And when we look back at your time when you were just starting the company, you were saying that you didn't know if you could do it. You know, you're coming from this really strong corporate background, but you didn't know if you could uh, break out and be an entrepreneur. Uh, I was just having a conversation on the podcast last week with Gene Murphy, who runs an organization in Dublin called Startup Boost. It's like a pre-accelerator uh, program for startups. But he was talking about his entrepreneurial background, which goes back all the way to his childhood. His father had his own business. Uh, there was lots of family business. You know, entrepreneurship was very much talked about around the kitchen table growing up. So that that's what he, he knew. But I think a lot of people, including myself, we have a lot of skills and strengths that we developed inside corporate environments, but we don't really know how they apply outside the corporate environment in an entrepreneurial setting. So I'm just wondering, like, what did you find, d- despite maybe your, your doubts, what did you find really stood to you when you actually went to set up the business i think you know when you come from a corporate environment and and you'll know this kind of you're almost conditioned into into structure um into into process and when you can come out and and know that you sit down with an idea how to take that idea forward you know almost project management skills you know, communication skills, uh, you know, you, you cannot at all underestimate the power of strong corporate communications. When you're in an environment, which I was, where you, you stand up every morning and you've got to justify the, you know, the uptime of all the IT systems within a factory that are producing multiples of, of millions uh, on a 24-hour period developing laptops, you know, your communication skills need to be pretty slick. It's that piece when you can come out and know how to communicate you know how to plan something. You know how to take an idea. And I think what's really important is that at an early stage, if you know, to not rabbit hole down a path that you might feel is a wonderful idea, if it's actually in fact not. What I did at a very early stage, which I think stood to me hugely, was even when I was trying to develop a software product, I took a sheets of paper and I drew out 
pictures of the vision of what I thought the product should be. And I, I got in my car and I drove and I just went out to all of my roots. I went back to people I knew in HP and Hewlett Packard, went back to some friends in Dell. I said, guys, if there was a software product like this, do you think there would be an opportunity in a business like yours to bring this on board? And if not, why not? So it's that early stage learning and and then knowing that if it's the wrong idea or if it needs to change, I think it's the speed and the ability to pivot is totally critical. And they're all kind of tools that you bring with you from corporate because when you're in a corporate world, you know, you have to learn. They're the kind of tools that you need. And I think they uh, they, they, they stand and um, they stand the test of time as well. And they definitely bring, uh, bring benefits when you're trying to then get a, a business off the ground. And I suppose the flip side of that then is that there are skills that you just absolutely don't have, which is which is a whole which is a whole other ball game, and that's daunting then because where you would have departments previously, and just to give one example, in finance, you know you have a whole finance team that work with you in a corporate, and if you're not part of that finance team, that service has been provided to you. You're an entrepreneur now; you don't have a finance team, so it is you. So you need to learn those skills as well really quickly. The other comment I'd make, Connor, is, and I, I, I use this all the time, and I still believe in it, is it's important to know what you don't know. And it's important to recognize that. So if there's a weakness or a gap or something at a very early stage as an entrepreneur, I think you need to be honest with yourself and saying, right, that's a gap. I need to fill that gap either with peers or friends or family or whatever. And and again, entrepreneurs do a good job at getting help for free where they can because, you know, they, they don't have the purse strings to do it. Uh, what were those some of those changes that you made uh, when you're doing your when you're doing your drive by uh, product development um, uh, with your old uh, trip with your network? What are some changes you made in the early days? Well, the original product, Connor, was was destined to be a a box which was rigid with rules in it for um, employment legislation compliance in Ireland. That was the original business idea. Um, it is nothing remotely like that today. I recall talking to some people and, you know, I had, I had visuals, you know, graphically done up using a kind of a UI tool and I was showing people, this is what it's going to do. And this is the concept. And, and I remember having a conversation with one organization who are a customer of ours today and the guy saying, look, I like the software, but just, you know, I don't need that content that's in there. I don't need, you know, we know what's relevant to us from a HR point of view. He said, however, there's, there are areas of regulatory compliance that are a huge burden for us. We're managing all of this activity individually on Excel spreadsheets. If your software, which looks amazing, could help us to better comply to those regulatory obligations, then that would be wonderful. And I remember I had a couple of software developers who I, I just had on a contract basis, I, I was paying them money to develop kind of on the fly. And I remember coming out of that meeting and I, was, I wasn't even at my car and I picked up the phone and said, guys, we got to change the model. So rather than being a content product, we need to have an ability to add a variety of different types of content. And that's, I suppose, where it was one of the biggest changes in the sense that it was now going to be something where you could add your own rules, add your own logic, and then use the platform as a tool to help and, and, and I suppose the diversity then of, of clients and, and sectors we're in at the minute, that's kind of what brought us to that point as well. And if we narrow that down then to insurance and some of the insurance solutions that you provide, what are some of the problems that you're helping uh, insurance businesses solve? 
Insurance is, is a very interesting space because when you look at the insurance, uh, I guess, portfolio globally, we've, we've quite a large um, insurance client base globally. That started from kind of looking at Central Bank of Ireland regulations that would have been issued to insurers. So the solutions we offer you know, would be around risk management, a tool which allows an insurance company to, to catalog and assess the risks within their own business. And to go through that ratings process and, and be able to visually see in a software tool where the high risks are within the business and the dependencies then, of course, of that risk. Looking at aspects such as, you know, when you have a risk, how do you mitigate that? So what controls do we have in place within the organization and how effective are they? So if you've identified a risk in the business, how do we know that we're mitigating that to the best of our ability? The third piece is, once the controls are now in place, over time, are the controls still relevant? Are they well-designed controls? Are they effectively mitigating the risk to the best of the ability within the company? And the tool kind of offers that as, a, as an, an out-of-the-box kind of solution. But we've also built over the years then a whole series of other types of, of products. So we, we have a product around internal audit. We have a product for governance. We have a product for outsourcing and vendor management. Because again, what we're seeing a lot of um, recently, Connor, is that a lot of financial services companies now are outsourcing some of their core activities. So the, the, the due diligence process, the onboarding process of bringing vendors in to provide a service. And then, of course, the monitoring of the SLAs, the service level agreements based on those vendor contracts is another critical area. So we have a, a variety of, of different types of products. Of, of late, we've issued products for business continuity planning, so BCP, to insurance companies. Then we'd have also kind of areas of very specific regulatory compliance. So in conjunction with, with Milliman in, in Ireland in particular, I guess in the UK, we have a product for Solvency 2 compliance. And that's a very specific regulatory compliance product. But again, I guess the, 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 the idea is that you know, people can use that and then complement that with other other solutions that we offer as well. Before we wrap up, Ogie, where can people find out more about you and more about Viclarity? They can find out about the company on Viclarity.com. So it's www.viclarity.com. I'm available on LinkedIn or my direct email is ogie.chihi at Viclarity.com. Brilliant, Ogie. Thanks very much for coming on. Sure. Thank you very much, Connor. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on LinkedIn, and please visit our website, insuretechireland.org. See you next week.